It's Monday the 4th of November and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, it's the end of the road for John Burko's bellow as the UK's House of Commons prepares to elect a new speaker. I want to thank my wife, Savvy, and our three children for the support, stoicism and fortitude which they've displayed through thick and thin over the last decade. Also ahead, Russia expert Stephen Diel explains a clampdown on the internet in the country. A new fashion startup lands here in the UK. And a view from here at Midori House on the success of Japan's Rugby World Cup. I'm Tom Edwards in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. The UK's House of Commons bids farewell to its always divisive speaker, John Burkow. Monocle's Augustine Machilari has the story. Today, the UK's House of Commons will be electing a new speaker to replace MP come cultural phenomenon John Burkow. Burkow's cries of order secured him admirers around the world, particularly among Europeans who, for whatever reason, found great satisfaction in watching British politicians being chastised and belittled like naughty little schoolchildren. While he brought charisma to the dusty old role, Burkow had his critics. Many thought he failed to uphold the impartiality required of the Commons arbitrator. Burkow's replacement will be chosen by the House later today in a secret ballot. The odds-on favourite is Sir Lindsay Hoyle, who has, for the last nine years, been the Speaker's deputy. Hoyle's Lancashire constituency voted leave in the 2016 referendum, but Hoyle has, miraculously, kept his own views under wraps. If that doesn't bolster his impartiality credentials, it's hard to imagine what will. Thanks, Augustine. In a worrying development, Russia has brought a new sovereign internet law into force. The party line is that it'll safeguard the internet. But as Russia expert Stephen Diel explained to Monocle's Andrew Muller, it's more likely to be abused by the state. They shouldn't be reassured at all by these reassurances. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yes. um, If if the Kremlin had teeth, it would be gnashing them over the fact that Russians via the internet can get information about what's going on in the world that is not the official view that the Kremlin approves of. Because if they turn on their television sets and watch Russian TV, they get a view of the world. Uh, It's often filled with lies, it's often filled with disinformation or half-truths, and that's what the Kremlin wants them to have. So being able to access anything around the world on the internet is something they don't like. Now, you've got a number of things, a number of layers here. Um, Russians historically have been rather paranoid about their relations with the West, and there are few examples of Russians who are paranoid about the West more virulent than President Putin. Um, so he, he, he is determined not to have this, this Western influence coming in. Um, you've also got Uh, When Russians look at the world and they look at themselves, they assume that everyone does things the way they do. So, for example, I found this a lot when I was uh, um, at the BBC. When I I would be in Russia and I would say to people, well, BBC, yeah, the BBC is paid for by the government, but it's not run by the government. And there'd be this look of disbelief. You know, they they would say, well, no, you can't have that. It must be controlled by the government because that's how we do things. So that's how everyone else does it. So because they are attacking the Internet in the West... You know, we know they interfered in the uh, in the presidential mm. elections in the US in 2016, for example. They assume that people will want to attack them. Um, Probably not entirely unreasonably, well, in fairness. But not using the same disinformation. I mean, using actually truth and information. So 
that really is, everyone accepts, um, that that really is the reason for these new laws being brought in. And so their um, smokescreen they're putting up is to say, oh, this is, you know, in case there's an attack on, uh, on, on Russia via the internet, then we can protect our own internet. Um, yes, now that's, you know, that's a good example of a Russian half-truth because that bit is true. But the whole story is that if they then want to cut off Russia from the outside world to stop their people uh, getting their information from abroad, they can they they have the potential now to do it. Stephen DL there talking to Monocle's Andrew Muller about Russia's new internet laws. A successful new fashion startup has landed in the UK. Here's why sometimes it's best to let it all hang out. This week, one of the most successful U.S. clothing startups to emerge in recent years is coming to the U.K. Untuck It, launched in New York in 2011, has made a small fortune by selling men's shirts. Its sales are predicted to exceed $200 million in 2019, and it has some 75 shops across North America. It will now open two branches in London. Don't expect to be bowled over by its fashion-forward wares, though. Its shirts are designed to be worn, you guess it, untucked, so are slightly shorter than regular models. The cuts are slim, the colors and patterns simple, the prices affordable. The fashion industry loves to talk about the next agenda-setting trend, yet Untuck It has not concerned itself with the pursuit of cool. It's a reminder of the success to be had by appealing not to fashion folk, but to regular guys who just want a straightforward shirt. And finally, as the dust settles on a triumphant Rugby World Cup in Japan, Monocle offers these reflections. Japan completed its hosting of the Rugby World Cup on the weekend with a plum. By all accounts, the tournament has been a big win for the host nation. Alas, lifting the cup itself was beyond the home team. Finals week in Tokyo saw a fair few bloody noses and painted faces. It was Halloween, after all. But how much has the Japanese capital changed since it started preparing for the Olympics next summer? Some things, not at all. Cash is still king and coins are essential to getting around. Pack your biggest wallet and don't be afraid to let it dangle out of your back pocket. This continues to be a very safe city. Technology often adds unnecessary layers of tedium. Buying an online ticket to see a band requires the team efforts of colleagues and possibly friends in Tokyo. The job includes typing out your name in Japanese characters and many trips to the 7-Eleven. Elsewhere, changes are afoot. Levels of written English and openness to speaking it have both improved. Restaurants with We Welcome Foreigners signs are a case in point. Awareness of plastic waste has finally arrived, but there's a long way to go. Before a semi-final game in Yokohama Stadium, volunteers were handing out crisp plastic bags with TRY written on them as souvenirs. Try harder, more like. But the single biggest difference has to be the uptake of cycling. Pavements are no longer the preserve of pedestrians who constantly have to step aside these zippy two-wheelers. Many bikes are steered by Japanese mums with a child seat or two attached. It's an encouraging sign for the environment and maybe for Japan's falling fertility rate. Speeds are probably a lot lower during the nursery run. Cycling in cities is to be encouraged, but Tokyo's many narrow streets make it impossible to retrofit dedicated lanes. Mayor Yuriko Koike should consider scrapping pavements and require all road users to share the street in an intelligent, polite and considerate way. If any one country can get a gold medal in this, Japan can. Roll on the Olympics.
The view from Monocle there. That's all in today's programme. You can read and subscribe to our daily email bulletin for more just like that. Head to our website, monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. That's your Monday at Monocle Minute. More of the same tomorrow. <laughs>